What's going on, guys? It's your boy DJ Skinless here, and we're back with another audio podcast about hip hop news. For this one, we're going to break down some recent news about T.I. and his top 50 greatest rappers of all time list. So here we're on Hot 97 website, and it says T.I. thinks Lil' Kim and Nicki Minaj should not be on the same greatest rappers of all time list. So this goes on to say for the past few months, rappers and influencers within the community of hip-hop have been posting their individual list of top 50 all-time rappers. Naturally, this has sparked a ton of controversy. It goes on to say, in response to Trap Museum's Top 50 All-Time List, T.I. and his associates joined in on the fun and created their own Top 50 on his podcast. T.I. and company decided the list would be solely based on impact and not accolades or rewards. Around the 40s, the group reached a roadblock when trying to decide between Lil' Kim and Nicki Minaj. T.I. stated that they should not be on the same list due to their similarities in style and impact. The debate was up in the air until one of the associates said at the table, Nikki would not be here doing the things that she's doing if Lil' Kim wouldn't did that first. The argument for Nikki quickly shifted to her being one of the highest selling artists of all time. But T.I. replied, she's one of the biggest selling artists of all time and I salute that, but impact, impact, impact. The decision went to a vote in which Lil' Kim was the unanimous winner, ultimately leaving Nicki Minaj off the top 50 of all time list. So scrolling down, we got his list here. The top 10 is... Pac at 1, Jay-Z 2, Biggie, Snoop, Kanye, Drake, Eminem, Nas at 8, DMX at 9, and Lil Wayne at 10. Then you got T.I.P. himself at 11, Ice Cube, Andre 3000, 50 Cent, Lauryn Hill at 15, LL Cool J, Rakim, Kendrick, Cameron, and Jada Kiss at 20. Then through 21 through 30, you got Method Man at 21, Pimp C, Scarface, Too Short, E-40 at 25, Busta Rhymes, Slick Rick, Master P, Gucci, and Jeezy at 30. And then you got Rick Ross, Future, Big Boy, J. Cole, Nelly, Ludacris, Big Pun, 8-Ball, Bun B, and Lil' Kim at 40. Then you got Fab and Nicki Minaj here at 41 and 42, which it looks like he swapped around. Meek Mill at 43, you got Ghostface, Raekwon, Redman, Twista, Nipsey Hussle at 48, Uncle Luke at 49, and Killer Mike at number 50. Overall, I think this is a pretty great list. You know, for me, since I'm a Pac fan, based on influence of gangster rap, based on distant records such as Hit 'em Up, positive, uplifting songs like Dear Mama and Keep Your Head Up, he has to be top five. I would rank probably Eminem number two, and then it'll be Biggie, and number four and five will be Nas and Jay-Z. Overall, I think Nas deserves to be higher than Jay-Z because he basically destroyed them with Ether. But you can't discount Jay-Z out of the top 10 because he has all those platinum-selling albums. For me, though, Snoop uses a ghostwriter. He's been doing that since the early 90s. Drake definitely uses a ghostwriter. So it's hard for me to keep these two in here because they don't write their own songs. And Drake is more R&B than when I would say he's a rapper. He just took what Ja Rule was doing and did it better. But it's kind of cool that he left DMX here in the top 10. I think DMX would have been even higher if he didn't get addicted to drugs. Overall, I think this is a great list. Lauren Hill, I think it's kind of ranked a little bit too high. I would put her in around the 20s. Cameron, I would say is a little bit too high. Because I do think you have to associate record sales and awards with being the greatest rapper of all time. It's a big melting pot of different features that musicians should have. I see Big Pun here at 37. Lyrically, Big Pun should be top 15, maybe even higher. And we only got to really see really two albums out of him that he oversaw before his passing. 8-Ball, I don't think I would have on this list. Bum B, I don't think I would have on this list. Twista, that can go either way, but I think probably not. 
What I'm seeing that's missing here is definitely Big L, because he was the punchline king. But a lot of people don't really like his albums or give his albums a fair judgment because it's very gritty East Coast type of beats. But he was going to sign to Jay-Z's label, Rockefeller, if he didn't get killed. And it's kind of a shame that we didn't get to see Big L on more mainstream type hip-hop style beats. We kind of got that little teaser with Put Em On and stuff like that. But that was about it. But I would put Big L top 15, maybe even as high as 10. You're also missing KRS-One. Big Daddy Kane is not on this list either. And then you can make the case for MC Light, Queen Latifah being higher than Nicki Minaj or Lil' Kim. Based on impact, based on impact for female rappers, you also have Lady of Rage, which was a great lyricist. But Lady of Rage didn't have that high impact career, mainstream career. Other rappers I don't see here is like Mortal Technique, Cannabis, which those are great lyricists, but you may say that they don't have the impact as someone as Biggie and Tupac and Snoop and Dr. Dre had. You also don't see Easy e here, which Easy e also had a ghostwriter. And a lot of times he didn't rap really on beat, but he really made a great impact for gangster rap. But anyways, guys, what do you think of this list? Do you think it's right? Do you think some of the people I just mentioned should have made it on here? I definitely think Rock Kim should be top 10. Big Daddy Kane should be top 15. I think Cameron, Jada Kiss, Method Man, Too Short should be a little bit lower in the list. This is an article here from HotNewHipHop.com. It says, Waka Flocka, he thinks people are too sensitive when it comes to these lists. The top rapper list craze has swept social media once again, and as usual, has upset a few artists. While T.I. was building a record of who he considers the top 50 rappers of all time, someone else was crafting a list of Atlanta's top 50 best MCs. Both Gucci and 21 Savage weren't shy about vocalizing their disapproval, but Waka Flocka couldn't care less about it. The article also goes on to say that he did actually make the number 26 spot within the Atlanta top 50 rappers list. But he jumped on Instagram to share a video of himself talking about why he believes that the lists aren't important. Let's go on down here and see what he has to say. Hey, look, man. All that, that list everybody doing is shit. That little rap list shit. Look, man. I know I was. I don't want to be on that shit. First of all, I'm not from Atlanta. I'm from Clayton County, and I was born in Jamaica, Queens, New York. So I can't be on that list. If you wasn't born in Atlanta, why the fuck you on these lists? But I will say this, nigga. The sound of hip-hop today is because of Waka Flocka. These beats are because of me. Southside and Lex Luger. Hey, look, so I can play and be on the list, but I don't give a fuck about no list. Nigga, we doing this shit to get out the gutter, bro. I don't see niggas in the, in the EDM world saying who the number one this, or in pop music, who the number one. Why every time we come to our community, we got to compete to be number one? Man, fuck being number one, bro. Who getting more money on show? Who got ice? Who doing shit for their community? Who really was broke five years ago and really up like fuck? Nigga, you number one. Who really knocking out these shows? Come on, bro, that's number one, my boy. Stop letting that list get to y'all niggas' head, bro. That shit lame, bro. I'm good God. I'm big God, too, man. Jesus Christ. And I kind of understand where he's getting at. You know, it shouldn't be who's better than the other. But then right there, he just says, who got better ice? Who's selling out more shows? And then he pats himself on the back, saying that he's the reason why trap is what it is today and mumble rap is what it is today. The whole sound of rap music is because of him. And I kind of agree that his sound probably inspired a lot of trap music because if you listen to a song like Hard in the Paint or No Hands, you'll see even though it's around 2010 that he released these songs on YouTube and other streaming outlets as well on his albums, you'll see that it has a very reminiscent type of style that sounds like trap. Like you could take those beats and put it with any mumble rapper today and it'll sound very modern. And you'll notice in these type of tracks that I just named that the snare has that little stuttering 
shimmy type of effect before it actually goes with the snare with the clap. And you hear this a lot with a lot of trap music out today with the little shimmy type of robotic type of snare. As far as mumble rap, I don't think he was the like sole creator of that. I would say it's more of Soldier Boy. Soldier Boy is the one that put out doing all the ad libs and the sound effects on different songs. Tubac also did that, but he didn't do it to the extent of Soldier Boy where it took over the majority of the song. Birdman also influenced that too, doing his own sound effects in the song that he did on mostly all his tracks. Then we start seeing people like Lil Yachty and Lil Pump and Lil Peep also incorporate their own sound effects all over the tracks as well. So what do you guys think? Do you think that Waka Flocka influenced trap music? Do you think he's like the creator of the sound based on the songs that he was doing around 2010? Or do you think he's just gassing everybody up, clout chasing once more? Because this whole thing was, he was trying to say that people need to do more stuff for their community instead of just making all these lists. But then he's there praising himself in the video. In other news, do you guys remember that interview that Tupac did with Angie Martinez back in 1995? Well, only 12 minutes were aired on her Hot 97 radio station out of a two-hour interview. Just recent news from Angie Martinez stating that Jay-Z actually helped her maintain and secure the actual master of that interview. Let's get it. So this latest article on Hip Hop DX states that Angie Martinez credits Jay-Z for keeping her Tupac interview safe. Let's go over this website here. This is djbooth.net and this breaks down the interview and why it was conducted in the first place. It says Angie originally spoke with Tupac back in 1995. The two conversed for over two hours but only 12 minutes were played on radio after editing. The East Coast West Coast beef was ready to rub. This interview could have easily been a match to light a much bigger fire rather than smother it. Puffy already had called into the station and promised if the interview aired, he said, it's going to make the situation worse. I'm going to have a real problem with the station. I wonder if Puffy knew what Pac said about him later in the interview. Angie goes on to say, I was scared to air this interview and I didn't want to be responsible for making matters worse. And the truth is I made that decision and I'm proud of that after all these years later. I think about the tragedy that happened to both Tubac and Biggie. Like what if I had put that out? I would have forever wondered if I contributed in any way to what happened even though it may not have. Ultimately it happened anyway and I know that I did what I could do to not contribute to it. That gave me strength. To help me draw the line in terms of who I am as a personality, Angie Martinez, Billboard, Interview 2016. Also, this goes on to say it just wasn't two hours of Tubac rambling on about his beef with Biggie. There was a more positive side that aired over the radio. His true feelings toward Biggie and Puff were kept locked away until now. Now, the crazy thing about this, she's been going on and on since like 2010, maybe even before that about this interview, saying that she's going to release it. All we ever got was clips. We got like a 40-minute reenactment. I think it was DJ Drama acting like Tupac. And I don't really understand why you would not release the version with Tupac's vocals. And I guess some people said it was copyright or some bullshit like that. And I don't think you can really copyright a man's vocals in an interview that was done for your radio station. Anyways, guys, I'll give you my thoughts on that after this article. So on Hip Hop DX, it says Angie Martinez has Jay-Z to thank for making sure her unreleased Tupac Shakur interview doesn't get lost. In an interview with Page Six, the longtime radio host revealed her archives, including a rare Tupac interview, which wasn't in a secure location until Hove made sure they were. The tapes are in a safe, secure place now, she told Pay6, but they weren't for many years. Before that, they were in a laundry room, and it was actually Jay-Z that told me to put it in a safe place. She also said I was meeting at Rock Nation, and we were talking about my archives because I had all my old interviews on tape. They were in boxes in my laundry room, and Jay said, get them out of that room right now. Somebody help her get them out of that room, because if there's a flood or fire, it will be destroyed. 
The archives have been since digitized, but Martinez also says that she has physical tapes in the vault, yet fans won't be hearing the Tupac interview anytime soon. So this continue to say that she won't release it anytime soon. And I totally get from like a standpoint that you have something valuable, something with a iconic rap artist such as Tupac, you want to hold on to it. But the beef has been 20 years over now, and obviously it took Tupac and Biggie's life, and I don't think she would want the recordings impacting Lil' Kim and Faith Evans or even Diddy, because Tupac probably says a lot based on the reenactment, he talks about the whole having sex with Faith Evans and the reason why he actually wanted to do that. So there's a lot of stuff in there that people can take to heart even after all this time. But as a Tupac fan, I would want to hear it in full and it just seems like she's just milking it. Doesn't want to release anything to us, just clips here and there. And she keeps talking about releasing it and she never does anything about it. Now if she's looking to get paid for it, I think what she should do is partner with MTV or BET. You know, these stations that have a lot of Tupac footage like Blackwatch. Partner with that and maybe they can put out a DVD with a Tupac estate with some interview footage. You can have a reenactment. You can have a music visualizer. You can even have a cartoon or something to go along with the interview. And I think that'll be a great way. She gets paid. The whole interview gets out there for the fans. And if people are complaining about something that happened 20 years ago, 25 years ago, well, fuck them. I think all Tupac stuff, songs, videos should be released, good or bad. And same with any other artist such as Michael Jackson, Prince, and everyone else. Just because a song or something was unfinished doesn't mean that we can't gain an understanding from it. And the same with Tupac's interviews. I'm not too sure why this interview has not been released in full yet. Like I said, it could be Angie trying to milk the situation, but it's been 25 years already. You know, how much more valuable it can get in the next 10 or 15 years. I don't think there's much more that it could possibly grow to. I think more likely Diddy probably bought the rights to the actual interview and that's why we haven't seen the release yet there's also been rumors that it actually wasn't two hours it was just angie martinez clout chasing but i can't verify that anyways guys let me know your thoughts on this interview let me know if you guys think that we'll ever hear the full thing and shout out to q smooth he's actually been commenting on my stuff telling me about different tupac news that i should comment on and make a video on anyways guys this is dj scanless signing out peace out